tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey there, Dominion fans! Welcome back. I feel like I need to be more regal with this music. Welcome back <laughs> to another Dominion After Buzz TV after show. We're talking about The Narrow Gate, episode 203, and I couldn't be more excited. I'm your host, Zach Wilson. Joining me on tonight's fantastic panel, as always, Miss Jackie Borowski. Hi. But I'm so excited. We're just going to blow through all that because I want to introduce, if you don't know him already, this is creator and showrunner Vaughn Wilmot. Hey, buddy. Nice to uh, be here. He is the man responsible for bringing Dominion to us each and every week for both season one and season two. Um, how are you doing? How's uh, I'm doing great. Everything's been great. You're, you're really enjoy- I mean, we were really enjoying season two. It's sort of blown us uh, away thanks, a lot. Man. Um, before we dive into it, and I want to get your thoughts on season two, and then we're going to break down this episode, um, you guys can tweet at me throughout the show at That's Zach Wilson, T-H-A-T-Z-A-C-H-W-I-L-S-O-N. I'll be following along. Send us your questions. You can also use the hashtag ABTV Dominion. Um, you can tweet it to Jackie Borowski at... Uh, I'm at 123Jackie underscore B, but I left my phone in my purse on the couch, so you can tweet to <laughs> Zach and he'll answer um, it. Or if you're in the chat roll with us, just put it in there and I'll try to grab out those questions. Or Vaughn, they can tweet you. At Vaughn Wilmot. I guess I'll have my, uh, I'll have it right here. Uh, we'll be following along. The yeah, chat roll is yeah, the yeah, easiest way to reach us because yes. I got my eye on that. But, um, so uh, we're going into season two. Was there anything that you guys specifically set out to do differently? For this season. Well, you know, the first season was very insular. It was very focused on Vega. It was very much about kind of establishing the mythology and the world and the characters. And it was a fairly big, it was a big, complicated world, big mythology. So we kind of really kept it contained to Vega. Um, One of the goals for season two was really just to expand that world, to blow it out. Um, Really utilize Cape Town, which is where we film, because... um, it has a very diverse geography. It's got oceans and deserts and forests and all this amazing stuff. Um, and then, of course, in terms of the mythology, we really wanted to expand it to a new city, which was New Delphi. Um, also Mallory, which was the town with the fire. Um, it was just an opportunity to really um, give the fans more and also just expand the world, introduce new characters, Um but the mandate from the network was to just really, you know, blow it out. Just do it as good as we can do it and make a great show. <laughs> so when you're blowing out the world and you talk a lot about Cape Town with this, do you go, do, did you go like a location scouting around and then sort of work backwards into forming what New Delphi is going to be and the characters that you're going to find there? Or is it the other way around where you come up with it and then go find it? We kind of came up with it and then went and found it. I knew... I knew from my experience on the pilot, um, I went there, I lived there for three months with Scott Stewart, who was the director of the pilot. Um, we really just, you know, we I'd seen a lot of the area then. Um, so I knew that it was diverse. I knew there was a lot of opportunities. I knew that we could do almost anything that we wanted to. 
Um, and then really in the first two, three months of the writer's room when we got back together in October, it was really just about, you know, I knew it was going to be New Delphi. I knew um, Michael would be alone. So what's he doing? So then the idea of Mallory came up. Um, and then once, once, um, once we had those concepts, then it was really about where can we find those locations. And, you know, in Mallory, of course, you want it to look like middle America, kind of the southern middle America. You want it to be um, open plains and a white steeple church. And, um, and we found it in Cape Town. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like a very diverse place. It is. Um, the fact that you could have a dystopian Las Vegas right alongside a, like, western town. Yeah. Um, as well as a more classic dystopian uh, city that's, like, Blade Runner-esque in a way. Yeah, you know, one of the, you know, we had, I had a new, um, we had an, a gentleman named Darren Serafian join the show. And actually, he did an episode of The Strain, first, first season oh, okay. of The Strain. Um, since you guys cover the strain as well, um, and uh, he really, he and I really worked um, to get the right people and also just um, find the right places um, to film and to the locations. He and I were in constant communication. He's the producing director, so he's down there on the ground. He he directed the first two episodes. He directed the last two episodes. Um, and really, together, we looked for, you know, that perfect Mallory town. We actually found one location in South Africa that didn't work out, and we ended up in the location we ended up using, which turned out to be much, much better in terms of it really captured the essence of the of the small town. Cool. This uh, location, Mallory, is actually one of my favorite parts of the show because you, uh, up until this season, Michael hasn't really had more of his human side yeah. so you get to really see that humanity in him where he's saying okay I'm actually like I'm searching for my dad and I just can't find him and I love the fact that he's always saying where's my father where's my father and she thinks it's a religious reference and he just literally means like I don't know where my father yeah, is yeah 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 um so you bring in this uh Christian mythology with Mallory was that an original intent or did it just kind of like Christian come mythology to that yeah you know, it's interesting. If you look at the the altar in the main church, one of the things that they did as a town was they have almost like they have every religion represented. Mm-hmm. There's you know literally icon you know icons of every religion, and the concept is really that all of these failed because he left, and so hmm. we had to create a new religion, which is the religion of Mallory, which is really about sacrifice and service and and singing. So. It's not so much a Christian mythology. It's more a mythology that kind of, or a religion that grew up out of um, the remains of society after this angel war, um, and then also driven by this prophet who basically came and said, you know, if you keep the fire and you you uh, confess your sins and you do these things, then you'll be protected. Um, and that really is how Mallory, the idea of Mallory, came about. I'm. I don't know if I'm getting into like something you can't tell, but are we going to see how different people, not just in areas that we know like New Delphi or Helena, like, but in areas like this or Mallory, where you're, you just oh, the people are still alive here in the random wilderness. Are we going to see how other people are like coping with this or in their own way? In terms of how they survive in the world, yeah. Yeah, for this season, you know, you it's such a big world. You have so much time. You only have so much time. You have 43 minutes, right? Right. <laughs> but um, this season, we really learned 
how the people in Mallory figure, you know, have kind of dealt with this, how right. the people in New Delphi, and then a little bit of outside. Mm-hmm. Um, the beauty of the world is that um, it's really uh, we we found this in the writers' room is that you could you could go a million different ways and and explore like other groups of people that have have kind of grown up out of the ashes and what their what their society is like and what mm-hmm. their mori- mores are like and what their religion or what the fact that they have faith or maybe no faith um, that we just really kept it focused on the stories that we could tell um, but certainly for future seasons we'll always con- kind of continue expanding out the world and and learn about new people and new you know, new groups or what individuals, whatever it may be. Yeah, I think that's part of what's fascinating. Now that we've been introduced to New Delphi and to Mallory, is that it, not everything is set up like Vega. Like this is a very wide world, and there's a lot of differences that can arise just because people are different depending yeah. where you go. Um, so let's start. Let's start talking about this episode, and we'll keep yeah. chatting with you as we go. Um, Since we're talking about the episode, I have a very important question: <laughs> Will Pete be a regular? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's a regular. That's wonderful. I yeah. just, I love him as a character. No, he's such great. a blast because he can't remember like anything that happened basically like, past the war. Yeah. So I, I like that element he brings of this like childish, childish like wonder. He's yeah, great comic relief. Yeah, he is he great is. comic relief. And Luke, the actor that plays uh, Pete, is really, really natural and fun, and um, he did bring a nice kind of energy and comedy to it, but also humanity. Like he just. You feel for him because mm-hmm. he's kind of he was an eight ball and then he you know got evicted and he's struggling with kind of the fact that he doesn't remember and no he's a lot of fun but so yeah he's 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 around in the whole season yeah I mean I think he's a great introduction to this little group of uh, in that's in that's now ventured into New Delphi yeah um, so let's let's deal with. Uh, that well, let's talk about that right now because we opened up like we left last episode where Alex is going to have to go into this maze of eight balls um, to find a disc, a golden key. Um, Jackie, what did you think of just his whole journey through? I did not expect to find General Rice and hiding nope. in a hole down there. <laughs> there were so many times I'm writing notes and I was like, what? What? <laughs> that happened several times throughout this episode and. Uh, I mean, obviously the the fans, I know we're going to figure it out as it happens, but our major question is, like, how did he get here? Like, how did he get over to New Delphi, and why was he in New Delphi? Yeah, General Ryson, he initially, um, if you remember last season, he that's where he was going to go. That was where, um, uh, you know, we learned about it. He knew about New Delphi. He was the leader of Vega. He knew about it. One of the things that we kind of happened off screen was he and Clementine, the fact that she was an eight ball, well, that was always kind of their secret dream. Mm-hmm. And so what brought him to Delphi was that once he realized he was dying and he was sick and he had lost her, his daughter was now going to run Vega, he just decided to basically go there and see if it was what he thought it was. Um, when he ended up getting there, it was different than... Yeah, I mean, I guess he pictured it as a place where eight balls and humans can live yeah. together, which is true it to is. an extent. Yeah, um, we we find out that he murdered somebody. Yeah, um, he murdered probably an art an eight ball. Yeah, um, at, in the town. I wonder if it's Clementine. Um, we know he's guilty of killing somebody, but like we don't see her. Um, so. I don't know what the circumstances could have been, but he looks like he's been through hell. Um, in this world, that's saying something. <laughs> uh, uh, but 
it would be it'd be interesting. I hadn't thought that's literally just all, like popped in my head right now. Jackie, you you're you're like very deep in thought. Um, I mean, I, I'm actually thinking about farther ahead in the episode, so I don't know. I, I'm thinking about how. Um, you know, we get this big reveal at the end, and I don't know if you wanted to talk about no, no, that no, yet. No, uh, no, Anything um, with the General Rice list. Well, it, it has nothing to do with General Rice, and I was thinking, you're no, just no, like, you're just sweating to my face. <laughs> but um, we get this big reveal at the end, and we find out why the town is okay with having these eight balls there, yeah. because it's run by a, an archangel. And I don't... I don't know, like, a lot of the audience members realized that it was the same angel in the flashbacks, and yeah. I didn't, and I don't know if that, like, I feel kind of stupid about that, but I don't <laughs> know if you guys intended for that, to, for him to be kind of, he was in the shadows and the oh, flashbacks. Oh, we definitely didn't want you to guess it, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, no, the actor, Simon Merrills, who who played him both both parts, we really, I mean, they put on a prosthetic nose and okay. cheekbones, I mean... I think even if he had been fully lit, you wouldn't have guessed it. Like he really doesn't look like himself. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get it yeah. until he like even he takes out the 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 vase and like puts the key yeah. on it. I was thinking that he was going like until he took the axe out. Yeah, and they started doing the up. flashes and it started to piece together. Yeah. And then the axe and it was like, oh, yeah. Um, and that was a cool reveal. Yeah. I did not see it coming. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, I didn't see it coming at all. But some of the some of the fans, they're so good at like pausing and rewatching and pausing and rewatching that they were like, "Oh, I saw that because I heard the actor's voice," and I was like, "I did not." No, they're I really good because yeah. I wouldn't have gotten it. I we really I don't even think Simon spoke exactly. I think he actually changed his voice yeah. a little bit too. It was it was to me that was the big moment where I was like, "Holy crap, this is just a huge game changer." And now uh-huh. and now we have the the mythology behind the Amphorae? Is that how you say it? The yeah, the, the Amphora is a singular, and Amphorae are, are all of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. The So he has one of them, but mm-hmm. we know there are, like, what, like seven or eight? Yeah, seven of them. Seven of them. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I didn't even know it was the same actor until you just said it. Which is um, great. <laughs> Um, but so well, let's let's deal with Alex because he's still in that in that <laughs> ma- maze. I mean, he finds the. It's all about. Uh, Vaughn, if you could just take a slide that way. Okay, um, me. Uh, Good. Dealing cameras. Um, but so it, while he's he's in there, he he heals uh, a, a eight ball. Yeah. Or a, a Vix and eight ball, yeah. I should say. They're they're already healed. Yeah. Um, but the big uh, now, so now General Rison knows about that. Yeah. Um, and so we get that reveal, and like it'll be interesting to see what he does with that. The the eight ball or the the evicted eight ball doesn't get out. But what I found really interesting about that whole thing, and sort of for security, sort of to get back to my point, um, they drop the point that the these are eight balls that with the human body could not sustain. The uh, what was the human body wasn't built for occupation. Some angels can't bear its limits. Yeah, and that answered the question that we had we talked about last week, which was that um, why are some of the angels like patrolling the streets yeah. and others are like we know them to be crazy mm-hmm. and it's it, beasts. Yeah. yeah, and I guess it's somewhat about just the body. It the does. body can only take so much. Just like any person, like sometimes the mind can only handle so much stress. You know, the eight balls this season, it was an opportunity to really, like, fill in and create or or dig in deeper into our own monster. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't want them to be like zombies because there's plenty of zombie shows out there, and we didn't want them to be like vampires because there's plenty of vampire shows. So it was really about making them, taking the mythology we already had and making them really distinct. And so we uh, we really dug into the fact that they're angels. They're lower angels. They're the bottom tier angels, and they speak in Lishapis, which is creepy, as is almost like... Um, a possessed exorcist type vibe mm-hmm. the way they speak um, and then also just the very the way they're varied um, some are insane and crazy monsters those are the ones that Julian puts in that thing because they mm-hmm. can't in that in that prison because they can't bear its limits and they drives them mad uh, and that's a lot of them the ones that are outside in the country the ones that kind of attack anything that moves there's a lot of those a lot of them entered human bodies and didn't kind of make the transition then there's the types that are in New Delphi that are the patrol guys and the guys that are actually living fairly civilized lives. And those mm-hmm. are the ones that are a little more sophisticated, like Clementine last season, that actually get into a human body and they're able to have um, a fairly normal existence. Yeah, I mean, um, Jackie, how do you feel about it? Did you did you like that turn? Um, do you think that there is still more to it? As far as more, more to... How they function, like... Uh, well, I don't want to talk about the. Uh, we'll save the uh, the next on it for the spoiler wall. But um, just I like mean, I think there there was something very telling in uh, I think it was the episode before or maybe the first episode when they first come to New Delphi and they say these these angels are behaving differently, and um, obviously they are they're in a town that's run by an archangel and now we know that and now we know that maybe he knows more of the rules than than we. We know. Yeah. Um, well, he's a higher angel, right? Oh, sorry, higher angel. As opposed to Ark, because there's only four archangels. Yeah. Um, uh, well, just on the topic of the eight balls, um, on Twitter, Alex uh, Lucatier uh, wants to know about the des- like the design of the eight balls and where that came from. Was that a carrier? So was that a carryover from like the Legion design? Yeah, it really? was. It was. Um, I think in I'm almost positive in Legion they had black eyes. And so when um, I was uh, brainstorming and, and, and figuring out the TV show, I wanted to give them a name, like a slang term that people would basically, like they say, walkers mm-hmm. on the I wanted to give it like its unique thing that people would call these things that they hate, right? Yeah. And basically eight ball c- comes from the term eight ball hemorrhage, where an eight ball hemorrhage, you're, you bleed from the brain into your eyes, your eyes turn black, and so they call them eight balls. Yeah. Um, well, that's uh, really yeah, with the, came well, from. with the monster design, like was it all sort of there already when you found I like the stuff with the teeth I think and it, everything? I like think that? it. I think it was. I think we in the pilot we probably accentuated it and, and made it even more specific. But yeah, I think it. It, a lot of it originated in Legion. Yeah, and I know you guys have straight like sort of dropped some of the stuff that like Legion had the big thing with like the dropping jaw yeah. that was really uncomfortably yeah. like yeah the ice cream man yeah yeah um, but that's sort of like you left that I think was that did. a conscious decision I I think just in terms of a TV production it isn't as easy to do um, you want to do the special effects you do you want to do them really well um, and you want to do the ones that you can do really well and I think. Having all these kind of originally, I did hope, and I was thinking that the eight balls were actually over the twenty-five years since the extermination, where they were like mutating, and they were actually oh, learning okay. how to change their bodies, and that would have been the ice cream man with the mouth, and the soldier in the pilot with the tongue, and so that was originally the conceit. But I think once once I got into the series and we got into the series, it just became a little bit. Let's keep them specific and 
and um, not, you know, but there's an opportunity to always expand, you know, and do yeah. cool new things. And Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Loving um, these flashbacks. That was like as I'm slowly piecing together like where we are. I mean, I love just going back to like yeah. the biblical times so at all. But then the reveal of Sodom and them being at Sodom and Gomorrah, because of course they would be. These are the angels that yeah. would stand and judge humans. Yeah. Um, was were you? I mean, this seems like I guess it's the it's the big. Just like other than Egypt, it's the big judgment. Yeah. Story. So was it just like you knew from like the get go we're going to Sodom and Gomorrah if we're going back? Yeah, that was really really early on. That was one that I knew we would do. There's a lot of cool, you know, biblical stories. There's a lot of um, uh, really epic, um, interesting um, biblical stories that you could insert our characters in and give them a new spin. Um, and that was one that I thought was just a you know, and the idea to just kind of do it in a tent overlooking it and keep it really contained and keep it about the brothers and meant that we didn't even have to, you know, blow it out in terms of production design and you know what I mean? It, we, yeah. we were able to keep it contained. But it still felt like you were there. It felt, it felt like you were there for every like all the important stuff. The yeah. the destruction you you knew what that looked like just yeah. in your mind. Yeah. And you didn't need to show it. We showed a little bit when the burning cities, but you didn't need to. And that's an example of Cape Town. I mean, those 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 dunes, because it, it starts with Gabriel like looking, you know, at Sodom and mm-hmm. Gomorrah, and then he walks to the tent where they all, you know, where they're basically planning their their attack. Yeah, and this was sort of more of the question of like, who's the good guy? In I this think story. you know, watching this episode, uh, I was wondering now since we had the flashbacks when we when we were going to get that moment where Michael turns around and says, "What I've been doing is terrible," and this episode had that moment where he he was like, "I don't think I've been doing the right thing," and um, we still haven't hit the moment for Gabriel where he flips. And I was wondering if we're going to see something like that and maybe a flashback coming up. Yeah, the, um, you know, last season they were much more clearly, towards the end of the season we started to have a realization that Gabriel and Michael maybe weren't so distinctly good or bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And I knew that one of the things I really, really wanted to do in this season was to go back and show, like, well, what are the moments that Michael turned good and and um, and Gabriel turned bad, turned evil. And this is really, the Sodom and Gomorrah flashback is really the beginning. It's the, the kind of the crack in Gabriel. We're definitely going to see the shattering where he really, where we see what turned him. Yeah, I mean, it, for me, like it was really fascinating to watch Michael's journey through this flashback, like just his arc in it, like going and talking about the, the blood stuff causing the snow to steam and he just like yeah, yeah. i love when, like it's like it, instead of i love the smell of napalm in the morning yeah, like yeah, i yeah. love the steam that comes off fresh blood hitting the snow <laughs> like whoa dude and he kept justifying it because he was like i'm doing it because my dad told me to do yeah. it it's like yeah. we wonder how many times people do things because it's like uh, uh, not just like your parents would tell you but you, someone in a position of power asks you to do something and you begin to enjoy it because you're you're pleasing that person but you don't realize maybe this isn't what yeah. i should be doing you know I, the way that came about was it was the idea that 
he's a soldier, but he really enjoys battle, you know, too much. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really realize it until later in that episode when he goes and he sees what Lyrae does. Mm-hmm. And that really wakes him up, especially when Lyrae says, you know, you're my muse, you're mm-hmm. my, you know, you've been everything to me and you're the reason I am what I am. And Michael is literally like, oh, no, what have I... You know? Yeah, I mean, it raises a, a, an interesting philosophical question of if you inspire somebody to do evil, to do bad things, how responsible are you? Because the, the Michael that we ha- know in the modern day is very brooding and, and thinking about like all of the things, especially now that he's in Mallory and being forced to face these questions, he's very he's having to deal with the idea of like what is he responsible for and so i i would almost compare it to jd salinger with catcher in the rye and like that's a p he wrote a book yeah. but that book without meaning to inspired some really terrible people to do some really terrible things and kill some people and other people to try to kill how much can you i guess the not that there's a good answer for this and you shouldn't blame the person who causes it or like the blame the author but how, how much guilt can you carry around for bringing about somebody bringing about this destruction through your words through your actions even if you didn't mean to yeah i think i think you know and tom and simon and carl in that scene were also good together but you know the moment when he drags him in and he basically throws him down and he's and he lists off all these horrible things he's just done i think for michael that is the moment that he realizes you know my zeal. You know my um, my enjoyment of battle and the fact that I've been such a zealot to basically carry out my father's orders has created this, and it's my fault. And that's why later in the in in the episode he literally says to Gabriel, "Do to me what I just did to him." And Gabriel's like, "No, I won't do it." And but I, I do think he does feel responsible for. Yeah, and he continues to to this day. When, he does. I mean, just that moment where he was in Mallory, just talking about like everything that he's done. Like he's, yeah. he he, he tort in his mind. He tortured those people. Yes, I think. Um, I actually drawing on that there um, in in the Christian mythology, you have the New Testament, and the Old Testament, and this you see a very Old Testament God, the smiting God, and do you think that um, maybe God has evolved as Michael's evolving? Do you think maybe he has and that's why he's gone? You know, um, it's interesting that you said that because it is very much an Old Testament world, mm-hmm. uh, much more so than new. I think that... Um, I do think that um, if we get five or six seasons to, to tell that story... I think that we would find at the end a father who um, has evolved and who, you know, if as much as a God can evolve, mm-hmm. um, I think I think the surprises and what we would look back on in terms of the series would go, wow, mm-hmm. you know, this was um, not atoning, but a new test in a way that that um, showed a new perspective than an Old Testament mm-hmm. kind of smite fee and so when you get so this is this is I guess a bigger question uh, in a lot of ways <laughs> um, but the way that you approach writing the God character do you treat the concept of God as a person in the sense of like do you treat is somebody who has wants and desires or is as more because a lot of like content these days that deals with the idea of god treats him as 
uh, an ethereal concept. Um, yeah. How do you how do you guys approach it in the writers' room? You know, I personally, and also the writers' room, um, we we think of him very much as a father. We just keep it really simple, um, non-denominational. I'm not interested in 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 talking about or or um, making uh, having a point of view really about any religion. Right. It's really about right. a yeah. father who has abandoned his sons, and the sons have to be the angels, and then. By default, we also were abandoned by him because he's our father too. Mm-hmm. So it's that simple. So like when we when we talk about him in the writers' room, it really is that it's nothing more complicated than that. As a matter of fact, um, when I imagine him as a character, I imagine him as a father. That simple. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's uh, that makes sense. Um, yeah. That's how it, that's how it plays on the show. Yeah. Um, before we move off of Sodom and Gomorrah, I just I I was went back and I was reading a little bit of like. The, the tale that in the Bible of Sagamore, and I found it very interesting to see that like part of the story is about there are five cities in that area right around it's right uh, right by the Dead Sea, and four of them had aligned the kings of those cities had aligned to rebel against their king, the um, king. Shador, I cannot pronounce that name. I'm just calling him King C. Uh, but he then had to go and gather a bunch of um, soldiers from other cities around to like really fortify and to keep the rebels down as long as he could until they eventually overtook him. And just playing that in this episode right up against Claire who's dealing with a rebellion of her own within her city, um, especially with all these different, the V-levels, yeah. as like almost as like they're heads of each V-level, and they're not happy with their king. Yeah. Um, it was it was an interesting parallel. Not sure if it was intentional or not, because it's a real deep cut yeah. into the Bible. Cut. But, um, the, I mean, just when you're dealing with fathers and kings and all that, it, there's a lot of parallels there. Yeah. Rebe- just the idea of rebelling or abandonment. Yeah, um, I just thought it was it was interesting. I think it. You know, one of the things I think informs all the storylines is the father, king. You know, family. You know, if you look at Claire and her father, and David Wheel and his son William, and Michael and his father and his brother, and. Alex and Jeep and the fact that he was abandoned. I mean, it all is under the umbrella of really that um, thematic. So, yeah, it informs all the stories. Yeah. Um, So I want to get into Mallory and Michael. Like, I think Jackie and I agree. Our favorite plot line this season. (laughs) Um, There's just something fascinating about what's happening there. In large part because the mystery, I think we're both, we're, I think, and a lot of the fans have really latched onto the mystery yeah. of the prophet. Yeah. Um, and the question of, I know you can't answer this, but the question of who is the prophet and, oh, I guess, really, why did they come there? Like, were they actually coming there to help the people or did they have some sort of ulterior motive? Because we have these worlds that are creative where people do have ulterior motives. So now we're like, well, is this a benevolent creator or not? And it's the you're as an audience member struggling with the same thing that Michael is struggling with almost. Yeah, yeah um, I mean the the obvious place that we've been going, and it's just like because it's fire, and also because it's one of two higher, like not higher angels, but upper up like archangels, and then I don't know if 
Does does Lucifer qualify as an archangel? Yeah, you know, in our mythology, you know, I'm we think about him as as an archangel. Okay, he's he's the only one that was born alone, and he was born first. He's the older brother, right? Um, so unlike the two twins, the Uriel and Raphael, and, and Gabriel and Michael, he's he is singular in the way that um, he was first and kind of foremost. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's basically let's if we break it down. There's two there's two archangels out there that we have not met yet. Uh, Uriel is off, maybe dead, probably not um, from the the bomb that got dropped. Mm-hmm. But she's she's we've we've met her. Yeah. Um, Lucifer seems the obvious choice because of fire. Um, the idea of eating, like I, I'm thinking of it as eating sin, sort of sleep hollow esque a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems that plays with a hell aspect and now we have we're introduced to the idea of sacrifice or the leader killing themselves and we see the fire go down right before and then at the sacrifice the fire goes up um, as a new soul passes over to the other side mm-hmm. that all seems to play to Lucifer reading the Dominion Revelation storyline on, on uh, sci-fi.com Raphael's big thing is that she likes the idea of toying with humans intelligence and like what and like just like studying them as almost like a case studies like what would happen if i did this yeah so i could totally also see Raphael walking around the earth setting up different scenarios in like this just like now i can these they're all separate no more cell phones they're just like different little like um studies yeah it's, like a, it's, a, it's a lab you, yeah. you isolate the 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 lab group from each other and stu- like introduce the, I, the these rules to this society these rules to this society what happens yeah let this one just do what their own thing but they get protected yeah this one they have to confess their sins and sacrifice their leader every five years Right, Jackie, who who do you have a, a favor on your on theories right now? Do I, I those? I mean, my theories are the same as yours. Like <laughs> those, those are the two I'm zeroing in on. And um, I know you can't talk to specifically who it is in charge of the town, but will we eventually see those two characters? Since they're like, I think the fans are like they're mentioned on the website. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, ooh, that would be a bit of a spoiler. I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> if you can, it's okay. Um, I think we will eventually see those two characters. Yeah, that seems like the they're the of our bit. They're the big five. Yeah, I mean, look in in terms of the series, definitely. In terms of this year, I'm not sure. Right, we'll have to see. You got to hold some cards. Right, <laughs> right. exactly. <laughs> like we need a season three. Do you want yeah, me, right. Lucifer? Take some out. How does that how does that work in terms of like picking characters that are either specifically from the Bible versus creating new ones? So like we met um, Lyrae, yeah. am I pronouncing that right? Lyrae, yeah. Um, in this episode, is he? I, I, I was trying to find if that was like a, a an actual biblical. Yeah, character. you know, there's you know, in the writers' room, we literally have these books of angels, you know, angel mythology, angel definitions, where and you, literally there's. Tens of thousands of them. So, okay. Um, one of the things I wanted to do, and we really just tried to do as a group, is just keep it simple. You know, lower angels are the ones that are have no bodies. They live in the kind of the outer sphere, away from um, Father's light. 
you've got the higher angels who do have their bodies and they're like Furiad and Lyrae and these others. Um, they're strong and, and whatever, but they're not kind of this the highest tier, which is the archangels. Just really keep it simple. Um, so creating new um, uh, angels or mythology for the world is just something, it's just, it's really a lot of fun. So it's like, we're not really constricted by anything. I mean, I, I guess in some religions there's seven archangels, and in some there's more, and some there's less. It's just about whatever works for Dominion and for the story. You pick these rules, and then you yeah. sort of let it play. Totally. In there. totally. Find something cool? Great. Yeah. <laughs> and not- look, I mean, Lyrae is a higher angel. We saw him basically lose his body, and now he's in New Delphi. So what's that? So we'll get to learn, like... I like the start of this mythology because it started to answer one of my questions, which was what happens when... You, because angels are hard to kill. So what happens when you can actually kill one? Because Michael gets to that point where he's like, okay, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to release your body, and it's going to be stuck in this cir- in this like area. And so now as fans, we know, okay, well, this is what can happen if you kill an angel. They're banished to an area. And now we know there's a some sort of possibility for them to come back. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's I guess it's a possession similar to an eight ball, but if it's a higher angel, what taking does that, that mean? Like, yeah, what does that change? I mean, clearly he can hide it, similar to the way that Michael and the other higher angels could hide within Vega. Yeah, um, without being caught, he can yeah. he can keep the eyes simple, keep his teeth looking normal. He doesn't yeah, he doesn't kind of have those outward uh, identifiers like eight balls do. I mean, he. He really, Michael is in that moment when he, it's basically, he's like a general, right? And he's punishing him and he's actually meeting out judgment right there. Mm-hmm. Um, he alone, he and Gabriel and they alone can do that. Um, let's say Furiad would not have been able to do that to Lyrae. Oh, it really okay. was a rank I see. thing. I see. Um, and that's why when when uh, Leary is down there and Michael's doing it, he's like, Gabriel, like, stop him. Mm-hmm. Like, don't let him do this. Yeah. Um, and all those little details are always so much fun to, like, brainstorm and the group comes up with them and it's always a blast. Yeah. Um, so just uh, going back to Mallory for a second. So we got, like, real quick, like, what happened and the big points. Um, Michael made out with uh, Laurel. <laughs> um, I guess she was just like, "Look, I'm gonna die tomorrow." Yeah, you're really attractive. <laughs> um, and Michael, I think he probably misses Becca at this point, right? Like, there's a little bit of that similar hair color. Yeah, I and think he's got that, a type and a lot of regret. Yeah, I mean, he's walking around, you know, uh, tormented over the fact of what he did. But I like that he sees in in her, as opposed to Becca, he sees in her what, um, so, like, a, re, a renewal of his faith. He he makes that point that he's like, I I came here and I learned something. And uh, Yeah, I love, I mean, I really, you know, um, uh, the script is written by uh, one of our writers, Becky Kirsch. And um, there's a line in there where he says... I can't remember exactly what it was, but to paraphrase, it was like, you know, everything died in the world. The world was destroyed, and yet not everything that was beautiful and was lost, basically. Okay, I'm trying to see, because I thought... And it so beautifully sums up kind of his point of view um, about his experience in Mallory and how that's kind of reborn in him some faith Mm -hmm. and some... Yeah, 
which hope. faith as a faith as a as a thought process for people who know is a very strange concept. Yeah. Like when you're given evidence of God, of our angels, of all this stuff. I guess my question is: Is it really even faith anymore? Is, is, can you really call it faith if you know the answers? You know, it's interesting. I mean, I've never thought about it like that, but that is interesting. And I think that you know what it is: it's faith. It's faith manifesting in belief, a belief that things can be better, that that they won't all be destroyed, they won't all die, they won't all die in war. That maybe the chosen one and and the fact that he's trying to help that journey and the mission that he has will succeed. I think that it's he knows that there's a God, so his faith is actually focused on doing what he thinks his father wants him to do. So faith that he, the the what faith in God and the one or in the case of the people of Mallory, the prophet will lead them the right way. They know what they have to do. They know that they they have seeming proof that this person is out there. But still trusting, so it's the faith as trust that this will be, this is the right path. Yeah, and to see her conviction, the fact that he sees in her, like, the ability to believe in something and and do something so drastic as to sacrifice herself to save the people that she, you know, that she basically cares for in the town is very, um, for him, it's inspiring kind of reminds him why he's here and what he's supposed to do. Yeah. And then... Oh, sorry, Jackie. So, I have more of, like, a technical question. I know there's only certain ways you can kill an angel. So, he stabs himself, and for all appearances, they believe him to be dead. And for the... for the town, it seemed to count. So, do you do you see it as, like, he did have, like, a little... some sort of small death that was... that counted for the prophet in the town to protect it? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's something that we'll find out. Oh, yeah, okay. I mean, the way I looked at it, like, so he uh, he, he stabbed himself with, like, the knife, and I was, like, going, I was, like, he rewinding. Cheats. I was, like, watching, I'm like, was that his knife or her knife? Was, okay, it was her <laughs> knife. Well, did you yeah. remember when he goes to her, and he actually looks at the knife? Yes. Yeah. He says, you're going to use this, mm-hmm. and he literally, like, checks it out, and then he hands it back to her. Mm-hmm. He knows it's not. Yeah, he's yeah. making sure it's like, I'm not going to really die. All right, it's cool. <laughs> um, and that moment was so great with the um, when his wing comes up out of the yeah. ground, because you see all the zombie stories with a hand always coming out of the ground, and so it was it was a perfect it's a moment. Wing. It's his wing. It's funny. I, I love to hear you say that, because that was the network. The network basically said... Um, you know, we've seen the hand so many times. Can we do something else? And then the idea of the wing came out, and it That's really worked. Awesome. So yeah. it was cool. It was a cool note. It's a it's a it's a unique visual. Yeah. At the very least, it yeah. was very cool to watch. Um, I guess the question is in regards to the prophet at this point. What um, did the prophet know that it was Michael? If it is. Raphael or Lucifer, in theory, because Laurel turns to the to the altar and asks permission, seems that she gets a response, which I'm assuming she's not just insane, so that she did get some sort of response. Did the prophet know that this was Michael, Michael, like the Archangel Michael, their brother, who was going to sacrifice himself? In that case, they know that he's not going to die. But they agreed to it anyway. The fire came back on as he died. So it was it that they were that they were tricked by Michael, or was this a if it's Raphael doing a study? What is this going to do to the town now that he dies and and comes back? Has that changed their faith? 
or if it's Lucifer, is he now taking a piece of Michael? How do, I guess I'm Jack. I'm curious. But like so, Vaughn knows the answer. Yeah. But. but so far, only only one person knows that he actually came back. So far, it's only that jerk guy whose name I forgot. The guy who's Wes. like yeah, the town jerk, as I called him yeah. last episode. Town jerk. <laughs> I guess it's a question: Is he going to reveal himself to anyone else, or is he going to like watch from the skies? Um, if he reveals himself, he could be trying to like take over profit duty. Um, as like the because if he comes back and they don't think he's, I do have to wonder though that nobody in this town is like meets a stranger from the wilderness named Michael and is like, hmm, there's a real important angel named Michael. But I they don't know. That. Oh yeah, they don't. They it's don't know been that. such an insular society that really has been. I mean, they are like a bubble. They're living okay. in a bubble. Um, and it's not that they haven't heard some things, and they've probably heard of the archangel Gabriel and the archangel Michael, but. The dude walks in, and no, Michael's common enough of a yeah, yeah. They're not thinking that's um, they're not thinking that's him. Well, because they they were they're connected enough to have the story of um, of the the child yeah. of the chosen yeah. one, and that's, that carried. Yeah, that carried, and it was interesting. One of the things that I you know that that came out in the writers' room was the idea that you know she had heard the story. And it was a little bit different than what Michael had heard. He's like, oh, I've never heard it told quite like that. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, people, some people do come in from outside, um, but it is in general a fairly, you know, insular little society. Um, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. That's, yeah. that's sort of the appeal of this town is that they're so isolated. Yeah. This really is, it's really is the old West. Yeah. Um, where, what else go? Whatever else goes on in the world is unimportant. Yeah, and they're, they're just surrounded by monsters, right? Yeah, they're yeah like, literally they're they surrounded. Monsters, they so don't it's like, get much news. There's not really. If anybody makes it in, it's usually someone who's like had to fight their way in, and you know, it's it's like you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and before we run out of time, let's talk real quick about the Vega, Vega and Claire, punk rock Claire, as I've decided to call her now. <laughs> it's just like she keeps coming in. She has the, she, she's the leader of this society, but she comes in. She looks like she belongs on stage with a bass guitar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's her I would evolution. love to hear that. It's her evolution. Yeah, I mean, she she's looks evolving. she looks great, but yeah. it, and it's just it's just funny to see. Uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, when you think about designing a costume for that specific character you know what do you put her in yeah right? she's not she's, she's not really military she's not a general she's not a military also she's really had access to what would be left over right mm-hmm. in vega which is you know they're in caesar's palace so she's got the forum shops right mm-hmm. so you have to kind of think about like what she would have access to and then also you know she's a beautiful actress and you yeah. want to make her look hot and yeah i guess that makes TV sense too. like what, what clothes do you find if you take over yeah, vegas it's like <laughs> she's not going to wear you know she's not trying to be her father so she's not going to wear some kind of a specific military, military or governmental and then she's not like pantsuit type, really. Yeah, so it is. That would but be it's a tricky of all the characters. It's pro- interestingly enough, it's probably the trickiest one to to find a costume for. Yeah, to get I, the right. I do like the evolution of like in the in the very first episode of the series, she has this kind of like flower garland, and she's very she's very reminiscent of like a Greek or Roman goddess. And then you kind of have her change into this like almost. Xena warrior princess, not to that extreme, but a more like you said, a punk rock kind of yeah. thing. 
I think the interesting thing about it is I think that her, of all the characters, her arc is very much demonstrated not only in her behaviors and her her um, her scenes and her arcs in, in in episodes, but also she did. She started very pure. She had the flowers. She was very almost like a virginal princess. And slowly but surely, you know, she's having to bump up against reality, and reality is changing her. Um, and she's becoming more serious and more down to earth, and and really more. Um, she's having to grow up. I mean, when I watched this episode, I was like, a pregnant lady just shot a man in the leg. What <laughs> <laughs> <That> happened? <laughs> it's really funny when you put it like that, but yeah. that's, that's what happened. Well, yeah, in this world, you, you don't have much choice. Exactly. I mean, you don't, yeah. But uh, I keep thinking of, like, she, I mean, she is, I, I do like the fact that she is pregnant, but nobody's treating her with kid gloves. It's like, she's still the ruler. She's yeah. still the lady of the town. Yeah. Well, know? how many people know that in Vega at this Not point? Not that think, many. I think it's like, yeah. basically, I think Arica knows, and, yeah. and I don't even, no, David didn't even know. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't know. No. So very few people. But even if they yet. did, they wouldn't. It's just the world. It's just a really tough place. It's just not. Yeah, but I, I think like if your leader is like pregnant theoretically, and in this society where there is a certain there's family like stuff passes down in families, yeah. that child has to and like so her being pregnant, you treat it very very carefully because yeah. it is a royal issue. Yeah, um, at that point, um, but we also get we also get a new character with Grant. Yeah, uh, old baseball fan. And yeah. there's some. Uh, I'm not Gates. making Gates. Gates. Yeah. Gates. Yeah. I'm not making oh, this yeah, up, yeah. but Gates and her have sort of like a romantic kind of thing going. They on? They have good chemistry. Okay. Yeah. Nick okay. and Roxanne have really good chemistry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cla- uh, Clates. Gates. 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 Oh no, I'm trying to make a ship name. Now. Oh. <laughs> Clates. Clates. <laughs> I guess it's sort of close to Cleats, so yeah, it's, it's it works enough. for his. He's very obsessed with the Curse of the Bambino. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I like that as a metaphor, and of course, it means just like, what's ba- I don't know baseball. Like, what are those things over there? Yeah, I've never seen anyone use those. <laughs> um, but I, I like this character. He seems very. He, they fit together because they both have a very charitable nature. Like they want to help the lower class. Like he does it as much as he can. He's just yeah. lets people siphon juice. So he's not going to report like yeah. an extra light bulb on. Yeah, um, and you can see her. Just she's like. No, I just didn't know that you did that. That's, that's really uh, adjust her shirt a little bit. <laughs> um. I know this is random, but um, there's a scene where he comes and sit ne- sits next to her and literally starts like eating off her plate. Do you know? <laughs> do you know if that was like an actor choice or? Uh, I, I think that was a Nick Bishop choice. Yeah. 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 I don't. Th- I don't think that was in the script. I thought it was such a cute moment because it shows these characters have known each other for a while, and it shows yeah. how comfortable he is with her. Yeah. And I think he's also a bit of an eccentric, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't care. Yeah, he's just that guy. Yeah, you know, I yeah. mean, he's an interesting character. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does now that the mil, like the idea of traitor, like how many tra- other traitors are in my military, yeah. like that concept being introduced. I mean, this is a scary time for her. Like yeah. people. We know that she wants to help as much as she can. She wants to change the system from within, but from the outside, it just looks like this is another bureaucrat, V1, who's going to, or uh, V6, V6, rather, who's going to step on the V1s and just, like, push them as much as he can. They don't know that she was trying to give them, like, a bunch of floors that then burned down by somebody else's hand. Yeah. Um, So... 
the question is, how will she prove that to people? And now she's oppressing a rebellion. Yeah. Um, this the idea of a civil war was, was mentioned this week, and it feels yeah. like that's just the mention of it makes it inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what she's going to be dealing with. Um, Jackie, I mean, how do you feel at the end of this episode? We get the introduction that the idea that now at Alex's hands, Vega and New Delphi are sort of in an alliance. But where does that leave Claire in this? Like she was, she basically had, like Alex has ag- has made her agree to an alliance <laughs> without any of her consent. A defector has uh, agreed to ally your city with somebody else. But what it, do you do? It's interesting because she's also kind of like without knowing, like aligned to Helena because Arika's there, but she doesn't yeah. know who she really is. So. Um, I know we're going to, one of the episodes has Helena in the name, so we're going to eventually see Helena, right? It's not one of the titles, but it's in the It's in the Revelation. Oh, it's in the Revelation. uh, Chapter 13 is apparently Helena, City of Women. So we'll at least, like, mention it at the end of the season. Um, But we're we're running low on time, and so in lieu of uh, predictions, I want to talk to Yvonne a little bit more about the show. Um, Um... the Divine Miss L, Liv Colbert on Twitter at, wants to know, um, the writing this season has been so much darker and grittier. Is that trend going to, who, uh, is that going to continue? And who in the Dominion Room has the most twisted vision? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, yes, it is going to continue. It is a, a, a darker, grittier season, definitely. Um, uh, probably me. <laughs> They're all like, whoa, Vaughn. Like, I don't know if we can do that. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm certainly one of the worst in, in the writer's <laughs> room, I would say. Um, but we're all pretty, you know, as a group, we're, we're very, um, we're pretty well balanced. You know, and there's people that uh, are kind of the big idea people. There's people that are mythology people. There are people that are writers that are really good with the characters. I think we've got a really good mix. But cool. the dark people, I'm probably one of the dark ones. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, Tanya wants to know, are, is this season going to get much darker as we go forward? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to do this season was really just, you know, as if this if this happened, if this really happened, what would it be like? It would be a dangerous place, and I think it is. Yeah. Um, is there anything that like big that you want to tease that we can look forward to this season? And next week we see a little... Uh, this spoils for next week from the previews, but we saw an army of, I, I'm assuming, a slightly more evolved eight balls, it basically in the basement yeah. of New Delphi. Like, <laughs> I got an it's army a big in the basement. basement. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to have more flashbacks, more biblical stuff, more ancient time stuff. Awesome. Um, which is, you know, I, I love doing that. And, uh, yeah, there's, it's a very big epic season with, um, Big twists and turns. I think people are going to be really surprised by all that goes on. Okay. I mean, yeah. this season, I guess uh, the final question, like, what was... So this season you got 13 instead of yeah. 8. Was that... Did that feel more of, like, more freedom? with oh, like the, so excited. The, like, five more episodes? Yeah. I mean, 8... I mean, look, it's all wonderful. Getting to make a TV show is always a wonderful thing. Um, 8 was tight for how big of a show it is, but it was great. 13 is fantastic because <laughs> it's just um, so much more space to tell big stories, do these flashbacks, to introduce new characters, new worlds. Um, it was a good amount. Uh, 13 is a really good number. 
22 people that do the 22 on network and stuff. I mean, that is wow. I mean, we've actually said that 13 is our one of our favorite episodes. It feels numbers. it feels like a really good yeah. number. It's the it's I think that t- like just looking at the TV shows that I've watched recently, um, there are some shows that do there are very few shows that do 22 episodes very well. Yeah, um, you probably have more stinkers just because, just by the very nature of having to do 22. You wind up with filler content yeah. here and there. I won't call out any uh, shows in particular, but <laughs> oh, no, I it's covered like, one uh, last year. Uh, <laughs> someone told me once that John Wells said that, you know, after 22 episodes, if you could have, if you can have like 10 great episodes and seven good ones, you might have like four stinkers. Just by the very nature of, you know... The amount. Um, and I would say 13, um, boy, you know, it just gave us so much more room. And, and we 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 had more story to tell. So we ended the 13 and we could have told more stories. And that's great. I mean, that's hopefully Which what we get what you for hope. season three. Yeah. Which fans, fans who are you're watching this, you should retweet and tweet information and questions so that we can get hashtag Dominion trending on Twitter. That would be great. Yeah, I mean, be sure, uh, guys, we, we, we've said it before, but if you watch the show live, you can follow along on Twitter with Vaughn and some of the other cast doing live tweets, right? You oh, guys are Thursday night, we're yeah. going to do a big tweet out. We do it every week. And uh, we get almost the entire cast doing it. Yeah, and so you can't get that experience if you don't watch it live. Like, if you're not working, get just find a way to get to your TV, watch it live with your computer open. You know your computer's open anyway, and you can follow <laughs> along. Um, and it's it, that's a unique experience that you can't it get is. anywhere else but live. And it, watching live is also a huge way to support the show. It helps keep the show on the air. Yes, and if not live, DVR. Watch it in three days. Yeah, watch as quickly as you can. Watch it. All right. Um, well, Vaughn, uh, between now and then and then for the live tweet, uh, where can the uh, the people follow you? Uh, I'm at, at Vaughn Wilmot on uh, Twitter. And um, I think that's it. I, do, I have an tw- uh, Instagram, but I don't really <laughs> use it. Um, yeah, and Jackie, where can people keep at up one, two, three, Jackie underscore B on Twitter. All right. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at that Zach Wilson, T-H-A-T-Z-A-C-H-W-I-L-S-O-N. And also a couple of sh- other shows here at After Buzz, uh, Killjoys in the Strain, also with Jackie. Yes. Uh, guys, I'm Zach Wilson, and thanks for geeking out with us. And thank you so much for joining yes. us. Oh, thank, thank you, guys. <laughs> thanks, guys. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, see you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 